in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the CEO Raider Podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. If you like this podcast, leave us a five-star rating at Apple Podcast. So Toyota made a $500 million investment in, in Uber at a valuation of $72 billion. And it's kind of fascinating because Toyota doesn't need Uber from a resources standpoint. I mean, what is Uber? It's a rideshare organization. As I've said before in this podcast, their real IP is around the intelligent network they have. You know, by way of their mobile phone, by way of their mobile application, Uber knows where its customers are at any point in time, in real time. So that's their real IP, Uber's IP. It's it's not the the cars, it's not the drivers, it's not the rideshare service. That's certainly not a unique service with a high hurdle rate. It's the intelligent network. So Toyota puts money in. Uber and Toyota are going to jointly develop autonomous driving technology. Toyota's already been working on it, as has Uber. Technology will be deployed in Toyota vehicles. I believe they're Toyota Siennas for the rideshare service. So if you're Toyota, you have the ability now to, to slot in X number of vehicles into an, an existing rideshare service in North America. You get the benefit of the learnings of Uber, given that they've been in the rideshare market for a number of years now. So you get a bit of that domain expertise. And if you're Uber, you get the cash, and you get the cash at a decent valuation. I think the last round was done at... With SoftBank at $50 billion. they had a down round. So now you have an up round, and that cash infusion is going to help you accelerate development in the autonomous market. If your Uber autonomous driving capability is important to you because ideally you'd be able to, you'd, you'd want to offer this your, your rideshare service exclusively with autonomous vehicles. You don't want to have to pay drivers to move people around. They're an expense and they're a liability. But I think the deal speaks volumes around domain expertise. The reason why companies oftentimes don't make obvious moves is because it's, it's, it's not in their DNA. So, for example, I used to say to myself all the time when I was a banker, why don't these hardware companies or IT services companies go acquire a software company? You know, were a hardware company or an IT services company, for example, to acquire a software company, it would give them, it would give them high margin revenue, it would give them recurring revenue, it would give them more predictability to their business, more predictability around uh, both revenue and earnings, and therefore it would increase their valuation. And as we've talked about in the past, uh, revenue and earnings predictability is a good thing. It's always going to increase your valuation to the extent you can increase the percentage of your revenue pie that comes from recurring revenue, particularly if it's high margin recurring revenue. It's why Amazon has such a, an advantage over its uh, competitors in the content business. Amazon has its, its prime service, that recurring revenue stream that grows and grows every year, and therefore provides Amazon with a level of visibility and predictability to their business that allows them to make very long-term bets that their competitors can't make, not just in the, the content business, but in other businesses. So what would seem like an obvious acquisition for some of these hardware companies and IT services companies, they would never make the trade. They would never go out and acquire a software company. And the reason is because, uh, as best I could tell with, with experience, is that it's cultural. IT services companies don't understand software companies. That's starting to change. We've seen Accenture make some acquisitions in the software space. We've seen Cognizant do so. But it took a long time. It took a very long time. And people just fundamentally aren't comfortable with things they don't understand. If they, you have a CEO who's in his or her mid-50s, early 60s, late 40s, whatever, they grew up in a particular vertical their entire professional lives. They don't understand, in this case, software. If we're talking about hardware companies and IT services companies, it's hard for them to get their arms around how and why. How would you make the acquisition 
Why would you do it? How would you retain employees? How would the cultures fit? It's also very different. I just don't want to do such a deal. And I think it started to change only because it's, it's undeniable that there, there's so much empirical evidence out there that if, if, if you as a hardware company, a software company, or rather a hardware company or an IT service company were to acquire a high margin, high recurring revenue software company, then it's going to bode well for your evaluation. And if you're a CEO, it's going to bode well for your compensation. And I think the, the compensation issue has been the driver as to why you've seen some M&A finally in the software space on behalf of the IT services companies and hardware companies. But I think that at the end of the day, that's why you see Toyota putting $500 million into Uber. Because it's not hard, it wouldn't be hard to roll out a rideshare service of their own in San Francisco or Arizona, which is where you know another city where a lot of these services, you know, Waymo and others exist. It wouldn't be hard to put a fleet on the ground in Dallas, which is where uh, Toyota moved its uh, headquarters from Los Angeles several years ago. I remember because we were selling our house in Dallas several years ago. We had a lot of Toyota execs come through when they were moving HQ. Tells me Toyota, uh, uh, Toyota Japan doesn't trust the subsidiary in North America. So ideally, you'd say, you guys roll this out. Toyota Dallas, you roll this out, this ride share service, this initiative. Let's do it on our own because we can control it. We're already building the autonomous technology. Let's put a fleet on the ground and, and do this in-house and keep the learnings in-house. I mean, given the skill Toyota has, they don't have to partner for anything. As complex as the autonomous LiDAR systems are, they wouldn't really have to partner for anything. If they wanted to partner, they could just go acquire. So that tells me they just do not fundamentally, Toyota Japan does not fundamentally trust the DNA of the execs and the operating team on the ground in Dallas if they have to do this deal with Uber. Because, again, the hurdle rate to putting a fleet, a rideshare services fleet, on the ground is not difficult. Autonomous technology is difficult. A rideshare service is not difficult. It's a commodity other than the intelligent network. But, frankly, you could get your, if you're Toyota, you could get a, a similar app on phones of customers on the ground in that particular city in no time. So you can create your own uh, intelligent network in, in short order. So that speaks to the power. This deal speaks to the power of domain expertise, of DNA in a particular space. And that's why oftentimes you'll see uh, acquisitions when a given company wants to move into a new market, a new geography, particularly if it's a new market that they don't fully understand, you know, if they don't have that competency in-house. Sometimes it's just easier to... Uh, to do an M&A trade or to put money into a partner as opposed to trying to, to, to grow that competency in-house, even though in this case, I don't think the, you know, the rideshare competency is a, is a major hurdle. That's all for now. See you next time.